I'm Andy Lemasugu, and this is my take. Welcome to the second and final part of my mini exploration into the transition from craftsmanship to entrepreneurship, featuring two remarkable South African women, the much-loved musician and media personality Unatim Sengana and the freakishly talented fashion designer Asanda Machivi. If you missed part one, do yourself a favor and go listen to that episode first. It was a blast. But right now, we pick things up with Asanda giving us the low-low on how Unati broke into the entertainment business, slaying some urban legends in the process. I've never Googled, but I'll tell you this is how Unati broke in. You studied journalism, right? At Rhodes. She came to Joburg, like all of us come to Joburg from the EC. And she got into Castle Loud. Is it Castle Loud? Yes. She presented Castle Loud, boom, from nowhere. And then skyrocketed. There was no sitting on doorsteps. Not to say she didn't work hard, earn her stripes, but desperation, nah. Actually, Thomas got me onto YFM after watching me in Castle Loud. That's the end of that story. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> that much. We were friends. Do the math. We were friends. We were platonic, respectful friends. What's Beyonce said about this stuff? If you like it, you should put a... Well, basically, he did that. Much later, of course, because it was all above board. No, but he... Yeah, because we were working together at Urban Brew. He was doing Was a Weekend. I was doing Castle Loud, so that's how we met. And then they didn't have any female voices on YFM, apart from Lee at the time, who was his co-host, and Dre. So I was the third girl to join YFM. You brought that husky, that husky, husky thing. I bought the street, yo. I got my interview at YFM and I was wearing All Stars, but thankfully my station manager was wearing All Stars as well. So we clicked Greg Maluka, who's now station manager of Kai FM. So we've, yeah, you know, just do you, and life will do best. I'm just thinking now. You listening to you is almost surreal because I just I see the music video you and Zola. I can see I can see all these all these references for that time in in my life. Even you know consistency though. You know the hair still natural. I still wear dirty all stars at events and still have the husky voice. Still don't care what you think about me. If you still hang with quieto stars. Come on with it. I'll never stop. Come on now. So <laughs> come on. I mean, my husband was like you know one of the pioneers of hip hop in South Africa. So. We are very street and unapologetically so. Most recently, though, Unati's been making headlines for dropping some serious weight. Running, canoeing. Yes. Uh, you've, you've lost a whole Disney character since I last saw you. Let's I, be honest. I think, I think I've lost 10 Disney cats. I've lost 30 kilos. So it's, you've lost a backstreet boy. I've lost a backstreet boy. <laughs> it's been amazing. It's just, I'm, I'm a different... Wait, wait, wait. wait. 28 kilos, for the record. Is that, is that the number? 30 is the, is the number now. Flipping egg. Okay, so tell us about it. Thank you. It's, it's been beautiful. It's, it's been a... I'm a new woman. The, the doozy kind of psychologically whipped me into shape. Um, but it's been fun just getting me back. You know, I've, I always gain a lot of weight when I'm pregnant. With my first child, I gained 25. With Uimba, I gained uh, 28. So it's just been nice getting me back. And as Asanda was saying, like just reminding people through the run video, we're back we're back we never left we just gave you time so the thing is though uh, most people don't know that you played hockey and first team squash uh you played country colors right national green and gold baby springbok snap well so this is actually more you than you've been in a while this is this is how I grew up. Asana will know. Like I was always. She was that fit Cosa girl when all of us were like sort of cute and curvy. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pella. That was like twenty years ago. 
So at least we were not overweight then. Yeah. Unati was like that hot Kosa girl. Like that we wanted to be as skinny as her, but our clothes weren't going anyway. Oh, shame, man. You almost sound like no, you're, what, what, Q violence? What? I can go back to that body in a heartbeat. I'll be happy. What you mean? And I've got a, a six pack hiding here as well. Just. We all have six packs. It's just that some of our six packs are more shy than others' six packs. That's what, that's what I was telling the ladies in the gym yesterday, the soda guys. We all have six packs. Just like, I'm on your way to So that's all it is. But it's, it's been fine. I can't lie. It's been amazing. And it's been healthy as well. It hasn't been one of those, you know, those strange diets, whatever you really... It's been inspiring. I've lost 10 because she lost 30. While their renewed commitment to overall personal health and wellness has resulted in awesome physical transformations, it's how they changed on the inside that intrigues me. People in South Africa really don't want to study anything, hey? No. So and, and I just also, had to say that part. And on top of them, a lot of them not wanting to study anything, they resent those who do. And then they want to do what you do. Meanwhile, you studied very hard for it. <laughs> so, so again, amazing threat. I did 12 subjects in first year. It's no joke. I didn't sleep. If my voice was like this, it meant I was doing a project the whole night. <laughs> Back, back then, right? Back then. But I think for me, the biggest challenge is you've, you've got to be very mature about the business. Um, you've almost got to be emotionless where our craftsmanship is all about our emotions and how we're feeling and um, what we want to portray emotionally because it is. Art is an emotion, you know? Um, and the, the business behind it is you've, you've got to be crude. You've got to be numb. Um, you've got to be selfish, with the craftsmanship, you're selfless, but with the business, you've got to be selfish. And, and it's, it's, it's striking that balance and be able, being able to live in both worlds, um, which not all of us are capable to do. And that's why often in business, then, we surround ourselves with those who can when we can't remove ourselves emotionally from the craft and go emotionless into the business. Is there an, a time in your life or a specific situation where you remember that graduation from... I really love presenting television. I really love doing radio. I'm enjoying music to the point where it's like, okay, there are people who I need to feed. There's a legacy I need to build. There are people whose jobs rely on the, on, on, on the properties I'm building. I need to start being, you call it being selfish. I think it's just closing ranks on what matters most and deciding to actually build a business, which not all craft, you know, craft people do or craftsmen yeah. do. So do you remember a specific point in your life where you know, turn that switch? I think for me it was before I dis discovered the craft. It was when I was 16 and I started working at Macro in PE. Um, I knew then that I had to be self-sufficient and independent and I hate asking money from my parents because they didn't have money. Um, but I also wanted to live the way my friends were living. You know, they were buying themselves Levi's. Well, their parents were buying themselves Levi's. And I knew my parents couldn't buy me Levi's, so I had to buy my own Levi's. So it was definitely the business before the craft. For me, I've always known that I would be significant somehow, but I had to work to gain that significance. Um, and it could not be based on a fickle foundation. So for me, it's always been about business and about leaving a legacy, being respected. She, Asanda and I, we talk about it. Respect to me is, is everything, you know? And that's why I give respect so easily, because I know how much I value it. Um, so definitely, and I think with Asanda as well, she was very uh, <laughs> decisive when she was like, Unsta, I'm leaving this place. I was like, oh, tell me, are you leaving this place? She's like, yeah, give me about two years to just find myself and then we'll reconnect. And it was, it was exactly that. Unati's well, referring lovely. to the two years, two years Asanda spent setting up her own business identity. after being head designer at Sun Goddess for several yeah. years. 
but I knew she she needed her time, you know, and and when she was ready, she was like, "Unsta, let's do this." I don't want to force myself to be an entrepreneur or a business person. For me, it must be holistic. It must all be synchronized and work together. I don't want to give you an example, the PR side of thing. Not that I'm saying I can't do it or I'm not capable of doing it, but I don't want to be now calling people radio station and be like, "Hook me up with the slot." so that I can talk about my clothes. I don't, I don't want to push or hustle just because I feel it's a box that I must tick. Like, business cards. You know how you used to say business cards are important? I just think, you know, when the time's right, you get a business card. When the time's right, you get TV interviews and radio interviews. But I don't feel compelled to make all these things happen at the same time. And I, I feel that that's what we think entrepreneurs are. You are on Instagram, you're on radio, you're trying to get into the space, you're trying to get into FAI, trying to do everything right so that it can look like you're running a business. Me, I just do what I do. Asanda makes a solid point. In many ways, the culture promotes the notion that being an entrepreneur is like being a rock star and people aspire to all the glamour associated with what they think it must be like to be a Patrice Motsepe or a Richard Branson. Also, people seem content to sacrifice important values like integrity, independence and respect in pursuit of gain. I give a lot of respect to my clients, but when clients don't give respect to me, I, I, I don't command She doesn't it, mind and I it drives me crazy. Out, but I do cut you out. No, she does. She'll cut you out and she'll never do business with you again, which I also tell her she's emotional in her business. Uh, there's certain lessons we have these conversations and then I'll walk in and she's like mm, Stammy, I'm not going to make a dress for this one ever again and I go why are you being emotional in your business do you understand how much pull that person has like get your emotion out of there if you don't want to deal with them in terms of a business then get someone else to do the fittings get someone else you just go for the designing and make sure your craftsmanship is still on that level so this is where the, her emotion the, the artist in her speaks over the business person in her because then I'll have to remind her Asana this is a business you can't be emotional with your business you don't have to like every client because I think Asana still wants to get along with every client like she, like she does with me and I'm like no you, if, if you've got a highly respected woman in terms of the profile and you don't like them as a person and their character ignore that and think of what they're going to do for your business and how they're paying it forward in the PR of your legacy. Hey, that's a huge lesson to learn. I'll tell you when I've learned it. And here's the thing, though. I have to say about Asanda as well. Um, you, I'd say if we had to break it into percentages, you're probably 60 to 70% entrepreneur. Why? Because they like five at any given time, five, six people here working for you, feeding their families off the back and the bread of what you've built here. You've got a studio with like more room than most uh, designers who dream to do what you do in this country have will have at the end of their careers. You've got a, a book of people who you've done amazing work for. You have nothing to prove. You've got your creative integrity all intact. It takes some doing to have all that in one place. And it doesn't just happen by waking up in the morning and going, hmm, I think I'll beat a skirt. No, there, there's actually a lot more sort of happening in the background, even if you don't realize it's happening. Yeah. I think Asanda's challenge fundamentally is she doesn't know if she wants to become as formalized as a Valentino or as enriched as the the irreplaceable beaters that you only find in the EC. And I think that's where she's she's struggling with. And I think the day she realizes that she doesn't have to be neither, 
we just love Asanda for who she is. She's a hybrid, and we and we dig it. Yeah, and I think that's where she'll become more at ease with the the artist versus the businessman. I have a soft spot for hybrids. I operate where the worlds of broadcasting and entrepreneurship intersect. And while I like to think of myself as being a serious business professional with the propensity to make sound, unemotional business decisions, there's a part of me that totally gets how no amount of money or trappings of success could ever be worth sacrificing the joy I get from getting up in the morning to do what I love on my terms. Often I catch myself making decisions based on gut feel or led by my convictions. And things do work out. Well, at least they've always seemed to pan out well over time. I understand, like you were saying the other day, that maybe me being cautious or sabotaging myself in certain respects, it's actually a calculated thing, like it's tactile. To me, I don't think it's strategic. I just think I'm going with the flow. I'm Pisces, so I'm just swimming along the stream. I don't want to... I don't want turbulence. But maybe you saying it's actually me evaluating risks and being like... You'll slow your roll, you know. So I get it. I mean, they're brilliant people. You, 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 you know, you. Um, one of your favorite designers, John Galliano. I mean, it, he, no one has had a more turbulent career. I think if that guy's ever made money in his life, he's the richest fashion designer in the f-ing world. Oops, sorry for my French. I was shocked. Except, that, except that he's never made investors money directly. Well, he he's he, made himself money. That's all I'm saying. What his investors say. And I mean, I think the whole world didn't expect him to make a comeback. Me, I'm shocked that after he got fired from Dior, he still had money in the bank. That's shocking. Considering he wasn't doing anything. Besides that show he did the other year for Oscar de la Rento when we thought he was going to replace Oscar. But he still had money. Dude, if I stopped working tomorrow... I'm sure in six months' time, I wouldn't have money. He's now back at Mason Martin Michaela, and he's making money. So, look, I'm not saying he's a great designer because he's made money. I'm just shocked that he was able to make so much money. And stick, and stick to his guns like you do. I'd be foolish not to realize that given my entrepreneurial aspirations, I'm going to need to get over not wanting to do what I don't want to do. I'm going to need to knuckle down and hone certain business disciplines that offend my creative sensibilities, all for the sake of the greater good, like building a legacy. I totally get it. Not everyone is given to entrepreneurship, and that's okay. Some people embrace the transition from craftsmanship to entrepreneurship like Unati clearly has, while others, hybrids like Asanda and I, continue to try and dictate the terms of our hybrid state. For many of the world's most talented craftsmen and women, though, it's neither a desirable or necessary direction to take the leap into entrepreneurship. But for those of us who aspire to the title of entrepreneur and everything it brings, we best get comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs>